0: Yeah, as Dennis said, Lent, the 40 days before Easter, is a time of self discovery. A time to examine yourself, discover, get to know who you are. And as I look out at this congregation, I wonder, shouldn't we know ourselves by now? I mean, goodness gracious, how old are we? I mean, I thought that this morning as I started a Lenten devotion. It said, Lent is a time to learn more trust in God and discover who you are. And I thought, dadgum, I'm 56 years old. I ought to know by now who I am. But guess what? You never fully know. Parker Palmer is a writer, a teacher, uh, a writer in spirituality, And and theology, and in his book "Let Your Life Speak," he talks about getting to that point in his life as an adult, as a professional, as a professor, and asking himself, or, or, or admitting to himself, this: I realized I was doing an incredibly noble job of living someone else's life, someone else's life. Now. I don't want to start any midlife crises. I don't want to. I don't want you going out and selling your house, quitting your job, and moving to the beach or anything like that. Buying a Corvette. And if you've already got a Corvette, no offense. But are you living, or am, am, am I living, someone else's life? Now that is a deep question to wrestle with. There's all kinds of somebody else's lives to live, all kinds of One is being that person that others expect you to be. When I grew up and and started to tell people as a teenager that God wanted me to be a preacher, they all said, that's dumb, that's not any fun, and they were right. But what they were wanting me to do is, and my parents especially, shouldn't you you choose a career that's going to provide for us as we get older? I have a friend who is a, a, we're about the same age. He maybe is a year or two older than me. So that means we were teenagers at the same time in two totally separate literally two separate sides of the state of Alabama, me in Gadsden and him in Aliceville, if you know where Aliceville is. At the same time, more or less, God spoke to us and said, I want you to be a pastor. Well, thankfully, I had enough Sunday school teachers telling me God was never going to give up, so I went ahead and said, yes. Tim, on the other hand, didn't. And now, as he, 30 years later, guess what he's doing? He's a Methodist pastor because God never let up on that call. And even though he, he decided to be who others wanted him to be, God uh, reached him anyway. Another one is to imitate what you think is successful. Have you heard the concept of FOMO? F-O-M-O, fear of missing out, something that came into common uh, language at the rise of social media, Uh, Facebook, Instagram. It's very easy to portray yourself as having the perfect life on Facebook because how are you going to take a picture of you staying up all night wrestling with doubts and questions and struggling? No, you're going to take a picture of you on vacation. You would, with your Chris, you know, Christmas, and it's real easy to look perfect and cause others to envy you because we think, oh, well, that's what success is. Another one is to be that person that you get paid to be, and thankfully, well, the ministry is not immune from that, as you can guess. You know, a lot of times, uh, we do make decisions based on uh, the paycheck. We sometimes have to compromise who we are, what we'd rather do for a paycheck. Over years, maybe you forget and, and become that person you're paid to be. And sometimes we just get busy. You know, we, we, we start off on one thing. We want to be one uh, as as a young, energetic, sky's the limit kind of person. But life wears us down, not just physically, but spiritually, mentally, emotionally. And then we've become that, that, that spiritually grumpy old man or woman telling kids to get off their lawn, you know. Don't make me think about that. Don't ask me those questions. Yeah, time, life wears us down. There's all kinds of people that we can be that someone else. But I'm not talking about telling you, oh, you can be whoever you want to be, right? That, come on, let's let's face it. If I wanted to be a brain surgeon right now, that would not be a wise decision. I can pretty much assume that after all these years, I am not being called to go back to medical school. If we're not talking about who we want to be, maybe that, that ideal that we're going to strive for. I'm talking about who God wants us to be. We all have that. We chose this ser- sermon series because uh, someone we were, the staff was listening to uh, in, a, in a webinar pointed out that church visions and missions often fall Fail because their individual members don't believe they're part of God's calling. They don't believe, well, the church has got this vision. Well, that's all well and good, but not me. God doesn't have a special plan for me. Yes, God does. God is calling each one of us to see our lives through a different lens. Now, I know I've got these uh, reading glasses, and, and thankfully, knock on wood, I don't need the full prescription yet. These are just the, uh, man, I, I really splurged on these. These must have been about 20 bucks. So these are fancy, more so than the dollar versions I buy from Dollar Tree. The eye doctor told me once, well, you can spend $400 on bifocals or you can spend a dollar at Dollar Tree. Guess what I chose? But see, when I use these, I'm still limited right now. I see you. If I want to see you, I put I take these off. But if I want to see the paper, it's blurry. I got to put these on. Then I can see the paper fine. But y'all are blurry. We need spiritual glasses that 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 would enable us to see both. You know, you don't want to focus on the obstacles. You know, I put these on and I'm focused on what's up close. You don't want the spiritual glasses limited to focusing on the obstacles right in front of you. I know folks like that, don't you? Let's do A, B, and C. And they say, well, no, I'll tell you why A won't work, but then you can't do B because this one. This. Some people are focused on the obstacles. Some, of, some people are focused on the, the great, grand, glorious future. Like now, I can see far. You know, I have no problem reading street signs, road signs. My vision far off is great. We need spiritual glasses to see it all, to see what God is calling us to do individually and up close and also what God intends for our, in the bigger picture. During this month, we're going to be looking at Jeremiah. Jeremiah the prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah preached to the people of Judah. Now, wait a minute. That's not necessarily Israel. It's sort of Israel, but not necessarily. Let me give you a history lesson real quick. The nation of Israel was divided, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. The northern kingdom was called Israel. The southern kingdom was called Judah, and that's who Jeremiah was preaching to, Judah. The northern kingdom had already been conquered by Assyria, taken off into slavery and exile. The southern kingdom, the sword was about to fall. You know, Babylon was about to come in and take them over. So Jeremiah is preaching to people whose obstacles, whose future is bleak. Not only do their brothers and sisters up north, they're gone. They're not a country anymore. Now they're, they're like on our door. Somebody else is going to come and, and conquer us. And in the middle of all of that blur of pressure and fear, God calls young Jeremiah to be a prophet. We're going to read some of his uh, book this month, but we'll start here. The Lord's word came to me, Jeremiah says, Before I created you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I made you a prophet to the nations. Oh, Lord God, I said. I don't know how to speak because I'm only a child. The Lord said, don't say I'm only a child. Where I send you, you must go, and what I tell you, you must say. Don't be afraid of them because I'm with you to rescue you. How many times have we heard that? in the scripture. Don't be afraid, I will be with you. And then the Lord stretched out his hand, touched my mouth. I am putting word, my words in your mouth, God said. This this very day I appoint you over nations and empires to dig up and pull down, to destroy and demolish, to build and to plant the job God calls us to do is not always pleasurable, but guess what? God is going to be with us. God is going to put words in our mouth. God is the kind of God that has uh, enough care to be with us all. These words are not just for a prophet to an entire nation, but for us too. Now, when I the, the, the moment I refer to as my call. I know what Jeremiah was talking about. It felt like at that moment, sitting on a little corner of a wooden stage just like this, that at that moment, every event, every second of my life had been put there by God to bring me right to that spot. So it really, truly felt like, God, you knew everybody, everything in my life. Everything made sense. So like Jeremiah, I could say, God, from the womb, you knew what you were doing. But guess what? Along the way, I made choices that took me one way or another. But God, being the God he is, was able to re-engineer that path to get back to where he wanted me to be. A lot of people think God is like the puppet master with the marionettes. I believe, like Bernard Lee, who wrote in a book called The Becoming of the Church, that God is the beckoner. You ever heard that? Come on, I hadn't until I read this. God is out there beckoning. He says that God is there at the corner, two blocks ahead, the beckoner. He whistles, and then with a sweeping gesture, come on. And I go, and I get there to that corner, and God's at another corner. God is the beckoner. God's out there in front, and we go and we get there, and then he's calling us somewhere else. Well, along the way, guess what? There's chances that we take a wrong turn here and there. We get far away, and God's on another corner. But God is the God that will bring that path back to his intended purpose. That's what this Lent is all about, I hope, for me and for you individually so that later we can have a t- we can begin to talk as a body of Christ what God's vision is for our church, that we would spend 40 days examining where God is calling us each individually, not living someone else's life, not living some image of life that we think we're supposed to live. But developing the vision, the personal vision to see, to see not just what's right in front of us, but what God may be, what corner God is on out there calling. Knowing that when we, even when we take a wrong turn, we believe that God is such a God of grace that he'll find a way back to his purpose. Paul writes to the Ephesians, you are God's accomplishment or handiwork or workmanship or masterpiece. That word in Greek right there that's translated all those different ways is the same word that we've learned to use for poem, poema. You are God's poetry. You and I are a poem. God is writing out of our individual personalities and choices and circumstances poem, a work of beauty that God is creating to do good things. God planned these good things to be the way that we live our lives. We are God's poetry, and because we are God's poetry, each one of us is more unique than we think. More unique. Every single one of us. On this cross laying on the altar, we used it at Ash Wednesday, and we'll use it across the whole season of Lent. There are thumbprints or fingerprints, depending on the finger you use. Unique fingerprints. And you'll have an opportunity after you've taken communion to use the ink pad and then put your thumbprint or fingerprint on that cross, and we have some wipes here to clean your finger when you're done. But that is a reminder that each one of us, and there's one down in the fellowship hall too, so that each one of us has put our unique self on Jesus' cross. And each one of us in our unique successes and failures and bad choices, good choices, each one of us in our beauty and our ugliness is forgiven and loved. So I, I would ask you, if you didn't get a chance on Ash Wednesday, after you partake of communion, come forward and and put your unique stamp on Jesus' cross. And we'll see that all during Lent as a reminder of that, that you and I are God's poetry. Let us pray. God, make something of us. You are in the process, and you are molding us like clay. You are guiding us and beckoning to us. If we would be willing, willing clay, if we would be people that listen, if we would have spiritual lenses to see you, you are continually working upon us to make something beautiful. Thank you for that. Remind us of that daily. In Jesus' name, amen. We will celebrate Holy Communion today.